Welcome to episode 236. According to the latest research, lawyers are now considered more trustworthy than pastors. How can we change the narrative? Building trust one relationship at a time. That's today on The Reclaimed Leader. Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey, everyone, welcome to episode 236 of the Reclaim Leader, Equipping Churches for Turnaround Change. I'm Jason Tucker, here again with Jesse Skiffington. How's it going, Jesse? I'm doing okay, Jason. Um, Let me check that. I was doing okay, Jason, until I stumbled across it and uh, some uh, statistics and some studies that uh, were speaking to the way that people look at clergy, like the role of pastors and how people perceive us, and uh, not only within the context of the church, but also outside of the church. And kind of was, um, I, I stumbled across it and some of the Carrie Newhoff's stuff on deconstruction uh, and that whole conversation that's going on. But um, it was about how people view clergy, how how they think about us when it comes to key things like our trustworthiness or our ethics and honesty and and all of that. And the news wasn't really all that encouraging, honestly. And it was like, man, that's tough. It's it it let's just put it this way and we'll get into this in just a minute. But that there's a number in these in the statistical report here, an AP poll that was done in 2019 that puts clergy just ahead of news reporters on some of those uh, sort of far-reaching uh, political uh, kinds of things, and so we're we're put in a position, I think, where um, the way that the world looks at us and understands us as pastors and leaders in the church, we need to we need to know about that and be aware of it, so that we can lead from a place of kind of a better perspective, and uh, not just assuming that people think that we're good people because we happen to be people who work in the church or that we're trustworthy because we are our pastors. So what are we going to do with all this stuff, Jason? We're going to f- talk through it a little bit today and see if we can come up with some, some maybe some starting points for how we can lead from, from this place. That's not super comfortable to think about. Yeah. Cause one of the, one of the realities is with the amount of information that's out there about pastors, uh, particularly about pastors who have screwed up, um, you can't just assume that just the insiders of church are the ones consuming that information. You could, you could rest assured plenty of people in your community know the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast, and they know about the Hillsong documentary and they may have watched it and, and they've heard of the stories of pastors who have, you know, had moral failure and, you know, so, or some sort of disastrous fall those stories are everywhere and they know those stories. They've yeah. heard them. They, and so they have it in their heads. How could you blame them for being skeptical or right. being against church or, or not trusting pastors? I would too, honestly, all the stories yeah. out there. Right. And I think you're, you're spot on. I think we might care in a different way because that hits close to home. And so when we think, you know, the Marcel stuff and Hillsong and uh, clergy, you know, character failings and all that, it hits close to home uh, for us. But the the world around us is hearing about those things too, and I think it's 
over time, over the course of time, it is eroding people's perspective or thoughts about how they view uh, those who work in the life of the church. And so here's just one stat that jumped out at me from this poll. Uh, 52% of monthly churchgoers consider clergy trustworthy. So 52% of people who come once a month. people that come to church. That they consider trustworthy. That number drops to 23% among those who attend less than once a month. 23%. That's that's one out of five. Go, you're trustworthy. I can trust you. And you know what? It's actually reflected in... Um, again, later in that same poll, they were trying to figure out how often do people go to pastors or clergy for advice about their lives? Uh, 13% of monthly church goers said that they did so often when making an important decision would ask their pastor or church leader. Um, 31% said sometimes, but 56% said rarely or never. And amongst less frequent church goers, 88% said rarely or never. Wow. So when it comes to big, important life decisions, uh, uh, like, uh, you know, what should we do uh, with our family or how should we raise our kids or what should I do with my career or our finances or medical decisions or those kinds of things? Um, increasingly, there's a, a pattern of not looking to people like you and me, Jason, as a source of authority or even a sounding board for those kinds of things. And so, the landscape is changing. And um, there was a Gallup poll in 2018 that kind of spoke to that, where uh, in the 1970s and 80s, uh, America rated pastors or clergy on ethical and on, on their honesty and ethics. We're in the 67%. Yeah, yeah, we think clergy are tend to be ethical and honest. That by 2018 was down to 37%. So it, it clearly there's a shift in public thinking amongst those who are in the church, but also those outside of the church and how they view people who are paid vocational ministry folks, pastors, uh, particularly clergy. So um, that's not really cheerful, Jason. And I was like, should we even have this <laughs> Couldn't you talk about something happier? Wouldn't it be Jesse? better not to know that? Right. And so what do we, what do we do? I mean, genuinely a question, what do we do when we're leading from a place where people look at us and just kind of roll their eyes, maybe are indifferent to us, or they've heard bad things about pastors and what they do, but where there's that low level of trust and uh, it's not the 1950s. People aren't, you know, uh, there's not a line out my door right now. People asking me for advice about their lives. Yeah. And in a way it makes perfect sense because when anybody wants any advice or information, they go to Google. They're not going to the local pastor They because mm-hmm. they can get it on demand. They can get it from a variety of sources and they can sort of pick and choose which one that they want to listen to. And you I mean, to say that we're right less there, than Google. You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, right. People want to hear what they want to hear. And so you yeah. as the pastor might not say what they want to hear, right? And they can find a lot of voices that'll tell them that. And the other thing, I think maybe a generation or two ago, a lot of times, especially in denominational churches, the pastor may have been the most educated or amongst the most educated people in the room. True. And so you had gone to school, you had done these things, you had experience in all these ways that maybe the local farmer or shop owner didn't. And so you maybe were the authority on a whole variety of things. But now there's, like you said, endless resources available for people to solve some of those 
those dilemmas or get advice on their finances or their marriage or communication or those kinds of things. And so how do we adapt, Jason? What is our role now? How do we adapt in uh, in our understanding of ourselves? Because I remember uh, in seminary and doing like CPE and all that stuff, it was about our finding and discovering and living into our pastoral identity. So what is our pastoral identity? Well, right now it's I don't trust you. I'm not so sure. I wonder about you. So that's pretty tough. It it really is. For me, the way I've always approached this and still do, I I really think about it very simply. Maybe I need some more tools in the toolbox, but this is how I think about it. I just think about it like an equation. Relationships over time equals trust. Yeah, that's good. I, I just don't know another way to build to, to earn somebody's trust yeah. than a relationship. De- and over I time. would even say it this way, dependability over time equals yeah, trust, yeah, right? Yeah. If you show up in someone's life and you're consistent and you're present and you're, you're not perfect, but you live with character and integrity and then ask for a forgiveness and apologize when you come up short and you demonstrate that over time, that is credibility that leads to trust. And so I think one answer is be the exception surprise people with your character and your trustworthiness and be dependable in their life and surprise them with a, a different example than what they maybe thought they were going to get. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, Jason, but do you lead with, um, when you meet someone out in your community, do you lead with my name's pastor, Jason Tucker? Never, never okay. once, nor do I ever want to. <laughs> right. And, there's and a I, reason I for cringe that, right? when someone introduces me as pastor, which is stupid. I shouldn't cringe, but I just, right. I don't want it to immediately be a barrier to because a because you know that it it does it adds something into the equation in that relationship. And I think yeah. I've shared this example here before, but uh, some from time to time I'll go golfing with a group of of guys, or maybe two of us will go and we'll join up with another group. And about the third or fourth hole, everybody starts saying, "Hey, so tell me about you. What do you do for work?" And uh, I'm in sales. You know, I oh I do this, I do that. And they're like, "What about you?" And I'm like, "Well, I work at a church. I'm a pastor." You know what everybody immediately does? They sort of put their beer down and they're like, oh, uh, I don't usually use language like this. I'm never <laughs> like this. I'm actually a really good person. Right. And it's like, can I, can I just be a human being here? And you, or you get a okay. confession. Yeah. Or you get a confession. Since, yeah. You know, yeah. You get a confession. Right? So or whatever. There's something about our role that causes a response in people. And what these stats are telling us, it's not always a positive association for some people. It still is. And, and we got to acknowledge that. So I think, again, coming back to your point. Are we demonstrating over time a trustworthiness, a dependability, a strength of character, a living what we claim to believe? Are we practicing what we preach as best we can? Are we admitting when we don't know the answers and not trying to be the authority over things that are outside of the scope of, of our skill set and pointing people to great resources? And I, so all this comes down to sort of this um, need for us to kind of continue to evaluate how are people viewing us and how can we uh, operate and, and do the things that we feel God is calling us to do within the context of that view? So it might need to start with surprising people <laughs> with what is a pastor like? Uh, and so my Friday morning basketball group, um, I play a lot of times, six months will go by and somebody will be like, you know, so what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. And, the, and you know, I'll share that with them. And they're like, you're pretty competitive for a pastor. <laughs> You got a mean streak for you. Got a, you're a little, you're, you <laughs> play hard out there. Yeah. Right. So I think, it, and, and there's some respect behind that. I didn't come in leading with, 
this sort of pious spirituality, uh, you know. And so I think it's it's not that we have to run from our pastoral identity, but I think we have to be careful about leading with our how we how we introduce that into our relationships because it does come up come with so much baggage. And for me, a lot of the times with some of those guys I play hoops with, I've built friendships and relationships. And now me being a pastor is just a part of who I am. It's right. not the leading edge of who I am for them. And so they've gotten to know me as the guy that shoots three pointers from, you know, or whatever, right? Yeah, the skill. Yeah. yeah, I think, and I just want to follow this thread a little bit. I think, I think the right posture is, is authenticity in that I just want to develop a real relationship with you. And if at any point, you know, you decide that you want to talk about faith or life or anything, I'm here for you. Yeah. But I, but that is not, I don't have an agenda or a timetable for you to do that. I just want to, I just want to be a friend. Um, you know, I, so I've got a example of, um, uh, there's a guy in our community, um, through my son's football team, you know, he, uh, he has known that I was a pastor, you know, we've seen around town knows that I'm a pastor and that we really had no relationship at all. And even I would say, maybe I would interpret even a little bit of standoffishness uh, about it, but got to know him through uh, football. And then I was helping out doing some things for him uh, and for the team and just, just showing that I care, just care. You know, yeah. I just uh, trying to develop a friendship and it was cool. A couple of months ago, I was uh, waiting for, waiting for my son. He was doing a, a workout and and his son was there too. And he comes up to me at the car window and he's like, we were talking, making small talk. And he said, yeah, I'm not a real religious person, but I, my daughter went and watched your worship service online. And really liked it and thought it was really, really cool. And he's like, and I, and I thought that was pretty cool. And yeah. That's, that's nice. all we've like ever, just a little crack in the open that's door. That's all right? we've ever talked about. And, <laughs> right. and I don't have an agenda. I just, yeah. I, I love the dude. I just think yeah. he's a great guy and I just want to build a friendship. And I think this is what we're, why does it got to be weird? Yeah. yeah. Why does it got to be weird? Right. And this, I think this is the thing, because if you had in that moment said, well, do you know that Jesus loves you, cares about you, has a wonderful <laughs> plan for your life? And do you want to accept him into your heart right now? Like, how would that have gone? You know, right. um, and not that anybody that's listening would do that. But I think it's 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 the balance between it, there's no reason for us to be ashamed of or embarrassed of who we are as pastors. And, and in fact, I've I've worked on that myself. When someone asks what I do, I'm like, yeah, I work down the hill at the church down there in Marineview. It's awesome. And the pastor there really enjoy it. Uh, you know, love serving our community. And um, I there's nothing to be ashamed of or embarrassed by. And I think it's crucial, like you said, like if people sense an agenda or that you're going to try to do something to them, it causes uh, friction in the relationship or cause them just to walk away and go, I, I no, thank you. And Don Everts wrote a book called I once was lost really good. It's, it's about how postmoderns come to faith. And, uh, what he noticed in his work with college students in inner varsity, that the first thing that a lot of people, the step that they took was that they learned to trust a Christian, that a person who was a follower of Jesus was trustworthy, that they weren't weird and, and they weren't going to try to do anything to them, but they were dependable in their life. And there was something compelling about that over time that caused them then later to become curious about Jesus and grow from there. But uh, and great resource, by the way, I once was lost on Everett's. It's, it's a good read Presbyterian pastor from um, that worked in InterVarsity now is in uh, uh, the St. Louis area. Um, so how do we be that credible, dependable 
friendly presence without being that sort of weird. And I, you know, I, th- I think it's, we're all great folks. So I think if we just got to renegotiate a little bit uh, of something, some of the things we heard when we were in seminary of leading uh, uh, with your pastoral identity and all that. I, I don't know if that works in this environment today. Maybe, I don't know. I, I, I would tend to agree with that statement. I do know of some people who, you know, they'll dress full robe and collar or they'll wear the collar and they'll go out to a Starbucks and they'll sit and be like, have a little sign there and say, have any questions about faith? And there's something about the, uh, this kind of authority or the perceived connection where that can, that can yield some, some fruit. But I I don't know. I couldn't do that. It's just not, I don't think in my wheelhouse, but, but I think for me, it's, it's about, you know, how do I, maybe let me put it this way. Let God set the agenda with the relationships. Don't you set the agenda with the relationship? Like there are going to be some relationships where you perceive by the spirit, you're supposed to say something very direct and you'll know when it's time to do that. But I think for the most part, people just want to know that, that they can trust you and be safe with you Yeah. before they get to a point of, talking about faith steps. You mentioned something earlier that I I think is really important and that I've done uh, as well in that when I'm in a friendship with someone and it's clear that they're dealing with something and I I just say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm available. If you ever want to get into that and talk about it, if you want to talk about it from a faith perspective or just at a friendly level, like that's kind of what I do. And I'd love to do that, but I never want you to feel like that's something that you have to do, but just know that I'm here if, if that's helpful. And so I think it's, it's, again, it's about coming alongside and not coming in as this authority that has all the answers and, and has this magic solution for their life. But it's like, I care about you and I, I want to walk alongside you through this. So I'm here for whatever that looks like and whatever that might mean for you. Um, and so our posture as pastors, I mean, we've always had the calling to live as servant leaders, right. To, to pattern our ministry after after you know the the person of Jesus in that that humble um, servant like kind of way, um, and so yeah, I think it's just a reminder for us to 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 do that and to be intentional about it in the in a pretty different context where people people's defenses are going to be up when they maybe when they hear about what we do or uh, what we do for a living. So um, for me, it's hard startling stats and uh, kind of hit me between the eyes. So. Yeah. What are some ways that we practice servant leadership, Jason? How do we model or that that sort of come alongside humble way? What are some of the other things that you kind of try to adopt in your your approach? Well, there are a couple of things. One that really sticks with me is something that stuck with me since I first heard it, I think like 2015-ish, from um, Jeff Henderson at Gwinnett Church talking about, you know, everybody knows what the church is against how do they know what you're for Mm. genuinely and authentically? How can you be about what you're for? And how do you let that kind of permeate your relationships? You know what? I am for this community. I am for your family. I am for being a good neighbor. I am for supporting you in, in what you're doing. Like I am for you. I think if we think about that and not, what do I want from you? I think that's a good start. Yeah. And, and I don't know, we could, we could camp out on that for a minute if you want, but just what do we want for people? We, we want people to flourish. So how do we be a part of people's flourishing? I feel like that's what God's called me to do. And that may or may not involve a faith conversation. 
Yeah. And it may lead to that down the road somewhere, or it might, might not for some people for quite a while. But when people genuinely can see that you're, you're rooting for them, that you want good things for them, that you, that's truly where you're coming from. It makes a big difference. And one thing that I, I've just been really wrestling with for myself is, you know, we talk about, you know, we, we had a conversation about the great commission a while back and are are we really interested in reaching people uh, with the good news of Jesus, people outside of the church, people, you know, that uh, the sort of the, I once was lost uh, community. And I think sometimes, and this is just hard to say out loud, Jason, but I like the idea of reaching lost people more than the idea. The idea of being in relationship with lost people. Ooh, Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah, um, that one stings a little bit. Yeah. I, I, you know, I like the, I love the idea of lost people being found more than I love the lost people who need to be found. So like, it's a hard thing to, because it means, um, being in people's lives that maybe are hard or whatever and, and really, really being on their side and rooting for them and wanting good things for them. So I think there's a little bit of of a come to Jesus moment for all of us that, that says, do we, do we like the idea of reaching people or do we really like the people that we're trying to reach? Do we love them? Do we care for the people around us? So that's just sort of that one of those, I think you got to kind of stop and be honest with yourself sometimes. Yeah. And, And then the second thing is, you know, about servant leadership is I, to me, it comes down to comfort. It comes, it comes down to what do I want to do versus what does God want me to do? Mm-hmm. And that involves a laying down of something. Yeah, totally. And, you know, it could be something like my preferences. It could be even just thinking about churches, laying down our customs for the sake of, of reaching others. That's servant leadership. We're camping out in, um, the parable of the prodigal son the last couple of weeks. And, and we're using as a companion resource, the prodigal God by Tim Keller, which is such a great. So book. good. And, yeah. And we just sort of at, spontaneously, we're like, we're going to buy a bunch of books and just give them away. So you all can read them. And we did that. take them home. You're going to get, you're going to do a deep dive into this. This is how you do it. But um, you can't, you can't leave that parable without thinking about, being the true elder brother, being the elder brother mm-hmm. that the elder brother in the story couldn't be. And that is what the elder brother culturally should have done was to tell the father, hey, look, my younger brother has screwed up royally and his life is in shambles and I'm going to go find him and bring it home. And if he has no inheritance left, which he probably doesn't, I'll do it on my expense. You know, Jesus is the elder brother. And he calls us to be elder brothers, you know, to lay down even at our own expense right? for the sake of seeking out and rescuing the lost. To me, that's being a servant leader and has everything to do with comfort. And yeah, comfort. And I think servant leadership involves suffering to some degree, being willing to, to, you know, to, to be okay with people not seeing you. There's sort of a pride check in this too. Like, uh, and having the humility to say, yeah, I, I understand that the church has been broken and that clergy have not always been trustworthy. And that's part of my identity too, not because I personally have failed, but because I'm part of this community that has not always um, shown a dependability or reliability and kind of having to live with that. Um, or just being willing to, to be unashamed in our role and, and be okay with people looking at us sideways and 
maybe not liking us or what we do. And um, that, that can be a challenge too. And I just think of back to that parable of the, uh, the father, you know, uh, running to the son, right. And uh, I think it's in maybe Keller or maybe it's Ken Bailey that talks about when he hikes up his, his robes to run and he shows off his legs. I mean, it's undignified. I mean, that's shameful behavior for a respected wealthy man in, in, in the middle, in the ancient middle East. And so to do that is just to lay yourself aside for the sake of someone else. It's not about you or how people view you or, you know, um, are they giving you the respect you deserve because of your position? I think, you know, that ship is kind of sailed and now, now we just, we're, we're called to get in there and love people and serve people right where they are. And so why, why bring all this up? Well, one, I think it, it's a reminder for us to, to, to do our best to be that servant leader, to be that dependable, trustworthy person who plays that role of pastor clergy in our community. And people begin to maybe repair some, some of that view because we are uh, living with character and integrity and they go, you know what, maybe, maybe those are exceptions out there. And that, you know, the folks that, that love God and love their neighbor and invite me to do the same, maybe, maybe there's a lot of them that are okay. Uh, maybe they're a place I can go to if I have a need in my life. Um, so I think it's a call to that. And then it's also just a reminder that we live in a, a really post-Christian culture. And some of this is sort of expected in the midst of a really changed environment in which we uh, do ministry. We're no longer the authority that people are looking to, to have all the answers about a variety of things. Um, we're more getting to, to walk alongside and be shepherds and guides and helps along the way. So um, for me, it's, it's helpful. It's hard to hear. Uh, nobody likes being on the same, you know, we're, we're uh, the honesty, integrity thing. We rank low, lower than lawyers now. And so ah, that's a tough one. Um, but um, I still think we have an opportunity to love and serve people from right where we are in a way that shows them a different vision for leadership in the church. Yeah. And to kind of land this idea, I can't help but think about when I was lost and how did I really come to know Jesus? It was through servant leaders who cared enough to love me first Yeah, before I, they ever told me about Jesus. And the only reason I listened about Jesus because they loved me first. And I, I don't know what agendas they had. I don't know um, how inconvenient it was to take the extra time to care for me, but I'm sure glad they did. And I feel like that's the life-changing transformative stuff that we're talking about. And I think, again, the only way, what's that? What did you say? Dependability over time Mm -hmm. equals trust. And that's- Yeah, so true. Hard to get, easy to lose. Yeah. But it's part of part of the part of the call, I think, on our lives. And so um, what, I hope this isn't discouragement for people, but rather just a reminder that um, people need dependability and, and trustworthy people in their lives and that God will work through that. And when people do find it, it will be a, a pleasant surprise and uh, I think can be a, a place to grow from. So um, just know what you're getting into out there, everybody, that this is the environment we're navigating <laughs> in these days. And that one, each one of us, one relationship, one moment at a time, maybe you have an opportunity to, to put a dent in some of those stats in a positive direction or be that pleasant surprise for someone. They go, you know what? This person really is on my side. They're rooting for me. They want good things for me. They love me. Uh, and that'll make all the difference. 
I love it. Thanks so much, Jesse, for uh, bringing this to us today. And again, as as we say every single time, because it's true, <laughs> ministry is hard. It's so much better when we're doing it together. Uh, it's a blessing to get to do this together with all of you. And if you ever want to reach out, get hold of us, talk more about some of the topics that we talk about, reach out to Jason or Jesse at reclaimleader.com. Anything else before we sign off here, Jesse? No, Jason, just grateful for you and our friendship and all those listening in. We really are uh, rooting for you and grateful to be in this thing with you. I know a lot of you are doing such good work in the communities where you are. So thank you for that. Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey.